0: It might be the dog days of the NFL offseason, but not here. Not at all. We are busy. We are talking to folks. We got a new podcast name. Take the points for those just joining us. And we are just getting started. Adam Kramer, Marcus Moser. Marcus, NFL offseason draft behind us. We got college football schedules coming out. Mm-hmm. We got lots going on. What? Where are you at in your NFL offseason protocol?
1: Yeah, starting to look at all the rosters, starting to look at some future bets, some, um, you know, some division winners, some over-under on win totals. Uh, Adam, this is actually one of my favorite times of year, just because there's so much downtime that you get to just focus on so much stuff. Uh, I'm really trying to soak
0: it in and enjoy it right now. Yeah, you got great sporting events all over the place, too. We had a, a great mm-hmm. UFC card which Mixed Results, we'll talk about that. We got PGA Championship betting on a really fun course. Uh, We got all sorts of stuff going on. And really excited today to talk to Todd Furman. He's on Fox Sports. He's got the Bet the Board podcast. Uh, Todd, look, if you you know sports gambling, you're on social media, you watch TV, you know Todd. I've known Todd for more than a decade. We used to do podcasts together. Uh, Before this became a very crowded space, there was Todd. And uh, really interested to talk to him about the, how he got his start, the way he looks at the NFL offseason. What else do you want to ask him, Marcus? There's like a million ways we could go with Todd.
1: Yeah, I want to know how to not lose money and what's the sucker bets out there. Because there's always a couple bets at this time of year that I make thinking that are good bets that I end up losing money on. So I'm really excited to have Todd on.
0: Yeah, Todd, an OG in the podcast game. Uh, and, and really, really looking forward to get his thoughts. And a reminder, guys, you can get this podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Uh, please subscribe. Again, we're just getting started here. The podcast rebrand, it's a, it's a big moment for us. And, and we're going to get a ton of momentum before we get into the season and we start picking winners. So we talked about the NFL offseason, but there is still news, including news with our favorite meat-headed coach. So let's go right into it, Marcus, and do some extended <laughs> Fill in the blank. And we start right there uh, with our friend Dan Campbell. And I ask you, Marcus, Dan Campbell wanting a pet lion is blank. Not surprising. And here's
1: how I know it's not surprising, Adam. I saw the news scrolling on Twitter and my thumb didn't even stop. It wasn't even one of those things I had to think and process. It's just like, oh, a Dan Campbell thing. And I kept moving on. It's, I think that his tenure with the Lions is going to be absolutely hilarious.
0: And this is just one more example of how weird and crazy it's going to be. Okay. I'm going to go on brand. Now <laughs> here's what I like though. Cause he's clearly, obviously he's clearly joking. And and what I like now is he is a meathead and he's mm-hmm. also leaning into his meathead mantra. I love it. Like yeah. not only is he know that he's kind of cultivating this meatheaded brand, uh, the, he's just kind of wearing it. Right. He's like a, it's like a WWE Wrestler at this point to say these types of things. Well, I think he's not taking
1: himself as seriously as like what Matt Patricia did. Right. And I think that's going to be the difference in why
0: maybe he is successful in Detroit and Patricia was not. Uh, I, you know, I've gone from like, just being like flabbergasted with everything he says. And like, you know, this guy, there's no chance Uh now I want him to win and I want him to win big. And whether they're really good or really bad, the post games are going to be tremendous. Like he is a content farm. So I I kind of am changing my tune on him. Like I want him to have some success so then he has some lele like to keep saying weirder stuff. Cuz Marcus, we know how this goes. If they stink, right? Yeah. He'll have some very clever sound bites about like, you know, effort and like regurgitated football guys speak. But if they win, it could be an absolute glorious carnival. I want that to happen. We, we need Dan Campbell in prime time,
1: right? We need the Lions to be good again so we can get just some some great sound bites of like Monday night football stuff, you know, before game. You know how they, they always do those pregame pressers. Uh, we, ne- we
0: need Dan Campbell in the spotlight. I want him on this podcast too. That is going yeah. to that is, that is be a goal of mine to figure out a way Let's to do, do that because it will be wonderful content. Okay, uh, speaking of less content, more actual newsworthy items, Joe Burrow, Sounds like he's going to be medically cleared. Uh, Very, very good news, obviously, for all of football, but for for Joe Burrow and the Bengals, that scar on his knee when he was modeling in the new uniforms is still tough to stomach. But it sounds like he's going to be good to go. So I ask you, Marcus, Joe Burrow will have a blank season. I think
1: a little bit of a disappointing season because – I still don't completely trust that offensive line. And then on top of that, they play an incredibly difficult schedule this year. They play in maybe the most competitive division in football with the Ravens, Steelers, and Browns. And all three of those defenses are just absolutely phenomenal. I would not be surprised at all if it's a
0: really rough season for Burrow. I think it's going to be a great season if he's healthy. And that is such a cop-out answer, I understand. I, I, I think with the weapons there, I just want, I want him upright. And mm-hmm. if, the knee is, if the knee is as healthy as they say it's going to be, then I think the dude is an electric talent. Will the O-line hold up? Will it give him time to throw to these weapons? They've got a couple of really good wide receivers now, even though I didn't love the pick. I thought you should have invested yep. in O-line, yep. but look, okay. I know you think the O-line may be a little bit better than maybe I think, which is. It's which, still not going to be great though. No. Like I think it's, I, I, I still think the chase
1: was the right pick. Cause I just think he's the better player than Penny so well, but I, I, I do share a little bit of your, you know, concerns about the offensive line. I think it's improved. Is it good enough yet? Probably not. I just, the flashes were great.
0: Yeah. They and, and maybe I'm guilty of, uh, you know, again, coming from college, watching what that dude did was pretty surreal. And the way he went about it was pretty surreal. So I think it can be great. I just, I have an anxiousness about it, which I think you share and certainly all the Bengals fans share, like that knee injury was not your typical ACL, right? That was a big time yeah. injury that he's coming back from. Yeah. And that's what's so nerve wracking is, you know,
1: if he has to have another one of those, you know, takes a big hit or is he going to be as mobile trying to get outside the pocket? Or we just going to see a different Joe Burrow now. I think that's my concern. And but maybe, Adam, once we get to week one and week two and we see him play, maybe some of those concerns will start to go away. But as of right now, I, I can't get that image of him walking around the Bengals facility with a massive limp
0: out of my head it's a, it's a big time injury he's coming back from, but uh, if the doctors say, okay, I'm, I'm here for it again, we hope he's healthy because it could make a really good division that much more fun. Uh, Rookie camp going on, things are happening. So I ask you, Marcus, the best moment of rookie camp was, or is, as these things are happening in real time. Seeing all the positional
1: players wear single digit numbers, as you can kind of see behind me, I'm always a fan of the single digit numbers. There's a Percy Harvin number one. Uh, seeing uh, Kyle Pitts wear number eight, Devonte Smith wearing number six in Eagles camp. I love it. I think this is a phenomenal idea for the NFL. Jersey sales are going to go through the roof. There's not much you can take away from rookie camp, so this was
0: easily my biggest takeaway. Oh, all right. I'm going to go like 100% selfish Homer answer. Zach Wilson, Elijah Moore. Yeah. Uh, simple yeah. slant route. That's all I need, Marcus. As a Jets fan watching them just throw like a game of catch with some jogging that's got the juices flowing. So I think it's really cool in, in the year of the quarterback, which this is, there's going to be a lot of eyes on what these guys are doing. And as a Jets fan, just looking for optimism, you know, that gives me hope. You know, the other thing, Marcus, that we, I I would say is participation seems pretty high. And, and I, I would say that's another interesting thing. Does that, Tell you anything? Does that speak to you in any ways that maybe there's more guys at OTAs
1: than we were expecting? I mean, I think it's just great news that we're seeing these guys out here because remember at this time last year there was no rookie mini camp, there were no OTAs. So uh, to have this the rookie camp back and have you know basically everybody participating uh, is just fantastic news. One more thing, Adam, we got through the first sounds like first week of rookie camp with no major injuries. That's the best news here, right? Get out of these things healthy, get ready for training camp. Uh, I think that has to be the biggest, most, you know, the best, most positive takeaway.
0: Yeah. Trying to keep them up right now. It's been a weird couple of seasons mm-hmm. with, in terms of the start and go, it sounds like just the activity as a whole is down. Like you've got yep. teams actively negotiating with their coaches. Like we're not going to do anything crazy. Right. If so, I'm there. And coaches wisely are like, yeah, like just yeah. come out of here, yeah. get be yep. in, in the presence. All right. Worst moment at rookie camp for you was? <clears throat> I'm a sucker for these guys that
1: end up getting cut, you know, after rookie camp, they work their whole lives and they don't even make it out of rookie camp. I'll I'll give you an example. JT Barrett who's bounced around the league a little bit. was a tryout quarterback for the Cowboys during their rookie mini camp. Didn't get signed afterwards. That's the worst moment for me. It's just these guys their whole life working to this moment and then not making it.
0: It's just, it's tough to watch. I'm going to give again, kind of a cop-out answer, but I'll go a different place. You mentioned there not have, have not been a lot of, injuries. However, the Juwan James situation where he tore his Achilles away yeah, from yeah. Denver's facility, yeah. and you've got some questions about what money is guaranteed. And of course, the NFL has written in the law that if you're outside of our facility, we can basically void that money, right? Yeah, I That stinks, but there's a real brewing issue here. And I think from an NFL fan If you're keeping an eye on this, whether it's the Players Association with the NFL, when you talk about renegotiations and all those things, now that we've added another game into it, Marcus, I'm not saying danger, danger, but it just feels like this is something that is going to be an ongoing issue in some capacity. How? I'm not exactly sure, but it definitely feels like something here is going to, uh, it's going to matriculate into something more. Yeah, I'm not
1: sure how the Players Association deals with it. It just seems like they made a bad deal in the last CBA. Agreed. Um, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be really difficult because you're t- basically telling these guys, hey, if you want to work out, you got to come do it at our facility. But despite all the COVID restrictions, that makes it tough. It's uh it's it's really, really difficult on the players right now. And
0: last, on topic of rookies, uh doing things at camp, Najee Harris and Travis Etienne. They're playing the position that they don't normally play in wide receiver, although both are pretty good at catching the ball. So I ask you, Harrison ETN at wide receiver is blank.
1: Overblown. I mean, we we really shouldn't care about this at all. We saw Najee Harris at Alabama line up at receiver. They're just trying to do different looks uh, for Pittsburgh in that offense. The ETN one is a little bit more interesting <laughs> yeah. for me just because it's Urban Meyer and he's had this type of player before, right? This guy that does the jet sweeps, that plays in the backfield, that plays out of slot, whether that is Percy Harvin, Curtis Samuel, uh, Braxton, uh, Braxton Miller did it a few years ago from the HVAC position. I think that one's a little
0: bit more interesting,
1: but I still think it's overblown.
0: Um, it's intriguing. Now I'm going to put Najee Harris aside. We know what he's going to do, yeah. right? Yeah. He's going to run the ball up the middle, which you don't want him doing any of that right now. He's done that plenty over the last two mm-hmm. years in Alabama and he can catch passes. He's a, he is a 235 pound ballerina. I've called him that many times. And so him doing that, that's whatever. You've seen what that dude does to break tackles. ETN is curious because you have James Robinson and the pick itself was fascinating. So you've got a three down back that was really good as a rookie. And then you draft ETN for this comfort piece for Trevor Lawrence. And also the guy's a great player, Mm -hmm. right? I don't want to take anything away from ETN. So I think that's the one that's more intriguing to me because how they use him is is going to be really wild. For as high as they took him with the running back already in place, I think there's a distinct possibility that Travis Etienne is in a unique role. Is in a is the Percy Harvin for for Urban Meyer, right? I mean, that yeah. one to me yeah. Begs the most watching in how he fits into this offense.
1: Well, I think it's really interesting because Urban basically came out and said he was heartbroken that he couldn't draft Kadarius Toney. That's that's who he wanted to fill that role. So he basically said, okay, who's the next best guy I can get? It's Travis Etienne. I don't think he quite fits that role as well as like Percy Harvin or Curtis Samuel does or have done in the past. Uh, but I am I am interested to see how he's used there in Jacksonville.
0: I anything Urban Meyer does to me is interesting right now. I am guilty mm. of it, so of course, it's going to raise a bit of a flag. Uh, I knew though this, though Travis Etienne can probably do it a and, and do he it as yep. he, you know, that's buried in all this of where he plays. Just get the guy some space, man, and he's going to be good at whatever he does. Uh, okay, coming up next, Todd Furman. You know him from Fox Sports, you know him from everything. Uh, we talked to Todd about all things sports betting here on the pod. Very, very excited to welcome into the pod. Uh, he's an old friend. He is an old podcast co-host back when we knew what the heck we were doing, not that we know what we're doing now. and he's he's made it big. I feel like uh, Mr. Todd Furman, you were before we started talking about gambling, this was a space that you, You put your flag in and she said, I'm going to do this thing. Even if people didn't want to talk about it, people were scared to talk about it. So first and foremost, welcome to the
2: podcast. Uh, How, how's everything going with you, man? It's been too long. Well, thank you first and foremost, guys, for having me. And I guess the first question, Adam, is TalkShoe still a thing? I mean, do people use the podcast platform that we used almost a decade ago to try and churn out college football gambling podcasts before they were the in vogue, cool thing to do? Uh,
0: I remember calling in with our, uh, the cell phones. Right. And I remember the audio quality being terrible. And I remember we didn't think anyone listened. I'm still not sure anyone listened. Uh, but then people were mad when we stopped doing it. So, you know, who knows? Um, but, but in any event Todd, again, thanks. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, let's go back before we talk about what you're doing now and really how you got your start. You and I have talked about this over alcoholic milkshakes before, but, uh, Where did you get your start? How did you tap into this gambling world?
2: Yeah, it was kind of the path less traveled. I mean, I got the itch at a real young age, probably a lot earlier than most should be in and around point spreads. And I have my dad to thank for that. Uh, He was always uh, around the Chicago Mercantile Exchange and had that gambling DNA that he passed down to me. So when I was younger, uh, we used to go to hockey practice early in the morning in the Chicago suburbs. He'd flip me the Chicago Tribune or the Sun-Times. And I'd go through alternating games, picking every NFL game against the spread. I think we were betting a buck a game back then, which might be enough to get me a cornbread muffin at Dunkin' Donuts if I had a good Sunday the week before, Uh, you know, or if things really went well, I'd probably get 20 to 50 munchkins, donut holes, whatever you want to call them to reap the benefits there. Uh, And that's where it kind of fostered my interest in the space. I'd always been in and around sports as an athlete uh, and kind of watching games. Of course, you didn't have the influx of options on TV back then, like you do now. And then as I got older, it, it became more, how do I turn a passion and a pet project, so to speak, uh, into a professional pursuit? Went to school for my degree in international economics, uh, thought for all intents and purposes that, hey, I was going to be on that path to Wall Street. I was going to be in the investment associate program. I was going to work my hundred hours a week and, and try and figure out what to do with the rest of my life after I served my time for one of those big brokerage houses. And honestly, guys, I, I mean, I woke up, Uh, towards the end of my senior year at Wesleyan. What the hell am I doing with my life? I don't think this is what I want to do. I'm not sure Manhattan's necessarily for me. Went home, bartended, waited tables in the Chicago suburbs and tried to figure out what the hell I was going to do with the rest of my life. And as luck would kind of have it, a fortuitous bouncer too took me out to Las Vegas where I started the casino business as a financial analyst and worked my way up through that organization and had a number of people in the race and sports side that took a liking to me as I crunched numbers. My mentor in the business, Chuck Esposito, you know, had always taken the time to answer all of the stupid questions that I would fire at him about the machinations of moving numbers, how future markets work, and learn some of those philosophies Uh, To the point we're at now, where if you'd have told me when I got out to Vegas at 24-25 that sports gambling would take off in such a way, uh, I'd have gone, where do I sign on the dotted line? And probably would have thought you guys were nuts. Uh, But then again, life is a funny way of working itself out and thankful for the opportunities I've been given and the great people I've met along the way, including yourself, Adam. Thank you. You're lying,
1: but thank you. Uh, Todd, I got a question for you. Let's let's get into the the nitty gritty. How does an NFL line come together? How do odds makers create these lines that we love to lose money on?
2: Yeah, Marcus, it's a great question. And when you look at how the entire betting market uh, establish its its identity. It's off of a baseline power number. I know it's an oversimplified approach because every odds maker has unique variables that they want to try and include in building their power numbers. But when you look at the NFL schedule, that's what allows odds makers to not only put out week one lines, once the schedule gets released, but within 48 to 72 hours, put out lines for every single regular season game. And of course, we know personnel is going to change from now until the start of the season. Stocks go up and down in the National Football League based on each data point that we have. But it's a combination of personnel and figuring out player ratings, looking at some of the advanced metrics. And the NFL, maybe more so than any of the other four major sports out there, includes a component of public perception. Uh, so for folks that always want to try and go, well, I'm going to build my power numbers off the NFL futures, I tell them to pump the brakes because the futures are going to reflect a lot of public bias and where books can get liability, whereas win totals are going to be a much more accurate reflection Mm -hmm. of how odds makers truly view the teams and what their season long outlooks look like uh, based on that strength of schedule. But at the same time, I mean, you can see a team that's power rated inside the top 10 have a lower win total than a team power rated, you know, 18 to 20. uh, And that's a byproduct of the opponents that they're going to face over the course of 18 weeks.
0: So for you, Todd, as someone who not, I know you don't just talk about this, you're, you know, you have to put your opinions out there uh, like we all do regularly and you were one of the first to do it, but let's look at the NFL season. We've got futures, we've got props, you've got the draft, and now you've got this, what we think is clarity of an NFL season with week one lines and all sorts of unique things that we can do now, even with the carousel of quarterbacks and all those, when are you looking to pounce? Have you pounced? Are you waiting for more information? Like what does your offseason timeline look like from a betting standpoint when it comes to the NFL?
2: With one of the things uh, as it pertains to the NFL futures and this is going to be a boring economics lesson for a lot of folks that out that are out there. I mean as a sports better, you all have limited resources. So when you talk about that being the case, it really becomes the cost of capital. And do you want to tie up your money in an NFL future? You know, odds to win the Super Bowl if you're doing this day in day out, you know, 300 plus days before they're going to crown a champion, unless you have a truly quantifiable massive edge, because if you're betting a baseball game or a hockey game, a 3 to 4% edge on a daily basis, you you have no qualms about trying to fire into that betting market. But if the same situation holds true for the NFL, you have to be a little bit more cautious. Uh, as you look at some of the big picture things, so for me, I, I have not invested in a single win total or NFL future yet. I hold on. I do take that back. I have a small investment on the Washington football team uh, way back when the future odds came out to win the NFC. So I was able to gobble them up at about yeah. plus three seventy-five or four to one. But to be honest. It's not a bet that I love right now. When you look at the layout of their schedule, because I think that price is going to present itself if they get out of the gate slowly. Uh, And for example, that team, I believe five of their last six games are all within the division. So you may be able to go for a six week sprint there, but that's the only future I have. And it is a small, small bet. Win totals. I'll do a lot more work uh, now over the next six to eight weeks and try and figure out where there's an opportunity to make an investment there. Yes. No's and odds to make the playoffs, uh, but my bankroll, especially as it pertains to the NFL, is still largely intact. And I have not overextended myself uh, on any of the future markets. But I haven't also uh, really taken a look at the individual awards. You know, Coach of the Year, Rookie of the Year, those sort of things. Uh, that's a project that I have uh, on the, my plate in the next couple of weeks.
1: All right, Todd, for new bettors, what's the sucker bet that they should stay away from? Is it MVPs? Is it is it Super Bowl champion odds? What would you recommend – us uh, kind of shying away from it at this point right now in the offseason.
2: Uh, betting the Bears to win the Super Bowl because they, <laughs> the Fields is going to be the man to take them to the promised land. No, uh, all kidding aside, when you look at the futures market for the NFL, uh, I tell folks if you're going to invest this far out, try to identify those long shots because a price like Kansas City at four to one, or even Buffalo in that ten to twelve range, there's a very good chance you're going to be able to get those same prices in August maybe even September, especially with Kansas City, who their toughest stretch of the schedule uh, comes over the first five to six weeks. So if you're looking at some of those markets, I tell people all the time that if you're going to do this, even as a recreational better and you have a limited amount of resources, don't overextend yourself in the futures market. Try and put, you know, 20 to 25% there, have a little bit of fun with it, because that's what sports gambling is for the majority of people. It's entertainment, and you want to put up a little bit to win a lot, uh, but there's no sense running to bet uh, some of those particular prices unless you feel that it's can't miss territory. I mean, guys, we could all believe that Trevor Lawrence is going to be the front runner to win the offensive rookie of the year, but at two to one or five to two, uh, there's no reason to tie up your cash now uh, over the next 17, 18 weeks until of course we know Tim Tebow makes the roster and then the Jaguars officially become God's team. God, don't even get me <laughs> started. Todd.
0: Uh, when it comes to the NFL and the quote unquote sharp bettors. And we, you know, you talk a lot about kind of the average better and and their hold and how to manage it. What does the off season look like for them other than betting on other sports? Right. I know Mm -hmm. that this is not a group that's necessarily just stuck to the NFL, but for the really intelligent betters out there that are looking for value, do they share your opinion where they're not necessarily investing in these things largely? Are there, are there, Individuals out there who say, Hey, this is my best chance to get it. And so, hey, I'm going to push these limits as far as I can. Are they gathering research? Again, take us kind of behind the curtain for the Sharp Better and how they spend their NF- NFL offseason.
2: Yeah, that's one of the great parts uh, about this space, Adam, is that every better doesn't ascribe to the same theory. So, when you talk about folks that bet the NFL, there are group uh, contingent that spend 365 days a year focusing entirely on the NFL. And they cherish their downtime, whether it's in January and February, you know, when the regular season is wrapped up and they've done a lot of their damage there. uh, And they're trying to go through rosters and personnel that gauge turnover and anticipate, Hey, look, this team may or may not be undervalued or overvalued. And to be honest, this day and age exploring metrics that may not be out there for public consumption. I mean, we try and cover a lot of those on our bet the board podcast when we break stuff down, you know, have a chance to talk to some of the sharpest guys that are out there and some of the metrics that are there, aren't always available for general consumption. I mean, I think back to years when we used to talk about college football games, I mean, nobody was discussing net yards per play or game control. And I think professional bettors will learn those things first. They'll try and apply them to their handicapping process. And then a lot of those facts and figures become more generally accepted. So there's no one way to skin a cat when you talk to trying to make, about making money uh, in the National Football League. Those folks with deeper pockets can tie up a lot more of their capital further out. Uh, But at the same time, also keep in mind that you're not going to get the same kind of limits extended on a win total if you're betting it in the middle of May as if you're betting it in early August when books feel a lot more comfortable with their numbers. All right, Todd, what's some
1: some tips and some advice that you can give to young bettors? Because uh, there's a lot of people out there that have no idea what net yards per play even means or why that matters. Uh, so give us some tips for the young
0: ones. Don't and, worry, Mark. And, and when you say young betters, you're, you're like I'm listening here too. We call so it. It's a big net. It's yeah, a big. Don't, net. don't worry,
2: Adam. I'm this sure is trying to Google that term right now so he can use it in a more <laughs> educated fashion. Um, the biggest thing that I tell betters out there, especially as we see legalized sports betting getting into all the nooks and crannies uh, and different jurisdictions, only bet money you can afford to lose. And while that sounds like a defeatist mentality, it really allows you to enjoy the experience of betting college football or the NFL, baseball, whatever sports that you wanna follow. Uh, we all can afford to make more money, but it's a question of what you can allocate, You know, whether it's a hundred bucks, whether it's a 500 bucks, a thousand dollars, what have you. The same way I tell people, when you go out on the golf course, you're not doing this to try and make money. You're trying to go out there, enjoy yourself for a couple of hours and it becomes a form of recreation. And sports betting should honestly be viewed through a very similar lens. I'd say one and a half to 2% absolute max uh, for people that are betting sports or turning a profit year over year on this. And we, of course, all can catch lightning in a bottle. We can have that one season where we're hitting the 58 to 68, 60%. And we think that, Hey, look, we figured out the secret sauce. Uh, but the regression monsters are always evident. And for every 60% season that a recreational better will have, you'd be amazed how quickly they come back crashing back to earth because they bet more aggressively. And then suddenly 42% the following season when all those close games and those made or miss field goals don't happen to go your way. So that would be the number one piece of advice. Uh, And for people out there that have limited hours, I mean, the NFL makes a great sport because it's only once a week, Uh, but keep in mind, that it's not necessarily a 50-50 proposition like you're led to believe when you're doing this. Guys are out there trying to manipulate the market, take full advantage of it, uh, and sometimes just focusing on a handful of teams may give you a little bit more of a head start in one of the sports most efficient markets.
0: I had a neighbor, I have a neighbor that's going through this right now with UFC. Really, you know, Illinois legalizes uh, sports betting. That's his avenue and got really hot betting UFC for like about a month and and was really hot and started kind of peacocking about it. And I, you know, Todd, I said the same thing, like just text, like, Hey, enjoy it. Uh, but you will, you will feel the other side of this. And sure enough, boom, two weeks in a row, like that's the way it goes. Um,
2: and that's really, that's really yeah, good it's advice. the crazy part of About it, I mean, for anybody that's been in a workplace environment, you you hear the same guys. Oh, yeah. How'd you do this weekend betting games? Well, I won. You know, it's amazing how many people show up to work on Monday when they haven't had a losing week betting football for the last 12 years. And if those guys truly have a secret sauce, you figured, you know, them, their wives, their girlfriends would all be spending a lot more time in the Turks and Caicos than they would be in the Chicago (laughs) suppers when those temperatures dip below freezing. Uh, Tata, you have been around
0: this, I mean, seriously, like we did that college football podcast before we knew what the hell we were doing, or or why we were doing it. And you've kind of truly been a pioneer here. And now you're seeing sports gambling explode. and, And also the coverage of it change. What is your opinion of how it's how it's exploded, how it's being covered? It's so different now than it was when you started doing this and you're popping up on ESPN 1000 locally, which was like rebellious at the time when they're asking you to pick uh, games
2: against the spread. So how do you think this thing has evolved in, in maybe a good and you know, I think it's good that it's getting more mainstream coverage. I mean, we knew sports betting was going on uh, all across the country for years. And the fact that people had to kind of hide their behavior uh, felt you know counterintuitive to me, especially the level of, of hypocrisy we saw from professional sports and collegiate sports to some extent, knowing that gambling was essentially the primary driver in their popularity. That's what forced more people to watch games, whether it was fantasy, DFS, you name it, and why they can get such lucrative television contracts. Sure, college football fans are all over the place, but the reason the SEC deal is worth as much as it is is because folks, yes, they have their allegiances, but trust me, even though sports betting isn't legal down throughout the Alabama Alabama, you know Mississippi Corridor. Uh, at least in some spots, I should say more Alabama, obviously the Mississippi. There are plenty of folks throughout Birmingham. If you go to a sports bar on a college football Saturday, they may or may not have a vested oh, yeah. interest in games that just don't include Alabama and Auburn. But the one troubling part, Adam, I see with the way things are going is that everybody kind of masquerades as experts. And that's the one fear that responsible gaming gets ushered aside. And, you know, people talk about circulating, you know, 10 to 12 team parlays. I'll be honest, guys. I've never hit a 10 team parlay in my entire life. I've probably only bet four or five. Uh, but if you look on social media, these things hit 72% of the time. I mean, if you go through yeah. Twitter or you go through Instagram and see people putting up five bucks to make a lot, it's essentially a sports lottery ticket. So I'd like to see, you know, personalities. Uh, And a lot of the operators show a little bit more attention to some of the responsible gaming component because while 95 to 90 percent, 97 percent of us enjoy this as a form of recreation, or you know my case, an occupation, there are two to three percent of folks out there, maybe a shade higher. Haven't looked at the numbers, you know, that can't do this in a responsible manner. And I've unfortunately been around problem gamblers, both on this side of the counter and when I worked at Caesars. And when you read the horror stories and how it can rip apart families, it's the darker side. So you just like people to understand what they're getting themselves into. Uh, And at the same time, you know, everyone feels like they have to be a generalist uh, and understand every sport. You know, if people want to ask my opinion on UFC, I'm going to tell them, quite frankly, flip a coin. I mean, it's not a sport where I feel comfortable breaking it down. You want to talk college football, you want to talk the NHL, the NFL. Hey, look, I'm more than happy to offer an informed opinion. Uh, But at the same time, too, you know, the one thing I've seen, guys, is people talk about, oh, I'm winning, you know, 75% of my bets. Well, anyone who's winning 75% of their bets isn't telling you the whole story. I mean, we grind in this business to win 55 to 57%, and that's a tremendous year. So always buyer beware if people are promising delusions of grandeur uh, and ridiculous win percentage that just aren't sustainable if you're betting into a traditional market.
1: Todd, what's the next step for gambling and broadcast. Do you think we'll see like live lines in an NFL or college game like we're seeing in DraftKings, or excuse me, in UFC right now through DraftKings? Do you think we're going to see, you know, a gambling host in the broadcast? Uh, What are your your expectations going forward?
2: Yeah, I do think that's kind of the next iteration, Marcus. When you look at the uh, kind of blending of both a sports telecast and the gambling lines, we've seen a couple of entities. Uh, ESPN, I know, has been pretty aggressive with BetCast. We've seen a little bit of that, uh, I believe, with the NBA. And I think it's a good way for a second screen viewing. We haven't exactly seen, you know, Troy Aikman and Joe Buck talking about live lines when they return from break, but I do think it's an education process. You have to allow, you know, all the TV personalities, whether they're the color guys uh, or the play-by-play folks, to understand and talk about it in a somewhat educated discourse. Because I don't think the public's ready to get hit over the head with a mallet um, with this, and they don't want to feel that it's constantly in their face, like the DFS push that created that government crackdown years ago. So you have to treat it as a field position game. You know, How do you seamlessly weave it into the dialogue and whether it's a two minute segment here Uh, or an updated halftime, I have to give some of the uh, various, you know, regionalized broadcasts, whether it's Bally Sports and, you know, some of the MSG platforms, you know, they'll show odds in between periods of hockey games with some of their preferred Mm -hmm. partners. And I think it's a good way to kind of expose people to some of the terminology, make them understand what's out there and allow their comfort level to grow. Because the reality of sports betting is going to take off, like I think we all believe. It just doesn't have to be centered around that 21 to 45-year-old male demo with discretionary income. You want to make it less intimidating. You want to lower the barriers of entry uh, and allow folks that are betting 500 to 5000 uh, to enjoy it on the same level. So before we let you go, I know
0: you're a big hockey guy. We've got playoffs um, coming up. Uh, NBA, you still on any interesting futures right now? I know NFL, you're kind of waiting for a little bit. You got any interesting tickets that you're hoping? Uh, to catch? You know
2: what? When it comes to the NHL, I mean, you look and we've only seen a couple of games in these series. Uh, Tampa has really surprised me. I'm not sure. I thought they would hit the ground running. Uh, getting some of their key cogs back, but the value in that number is not quite there. You know, I think if you're looking down the board and obviously shop around for the best number, uh, a team that I'm high on, although they haven't quite played to their potential and they could easily get knocked out in the first round, still with a lot of work in front of them, uh, would be the Boston Bruins. I think when you look at what they did at the trade deadline, you go out and you get a player like Taylor Hall, who had underachieved for Buffalo, but we know this guy's a couple years removed from being a league MVP. You have a proven goalie uh, in Tuka Rask. And while you may not love Coach Cassidy and what some of the decisions he makes in game, I think they can get out of the East. And if you're holding a ticket at like 12 to one, as long as you can avoid the likes of maybe Colorado, Tampa, or Carolina, uh, potentially in the final four. Hey, weirder things have happened. A goalie gets hot and you'll have a chance to earn off of that ticket. So Boston, probably the best thing going out there. And maybe Adam, if you want to get into college football, is this the year that Georgia Bulldogs finally get over the hump? Should we be drinking the Kool-Aid now? I mean, I know they're going to be short underdogs against Clemson, but that hype train is going to officially leave the station if they win that game I, outright. I, oh, of course. How, how, are we going to do this again, though?
0: Like, we, we, are, <laughs> we are going to do this again is what we're going to do. Yeah. I, I, if not this year, then when, right? Because Alabama, that's a fresh group, yep. man. That is a fresh and experienced group. Bryce Young will be very good. Georgia is the most talented team in the country. Uh by a wide margin. So I'm am I ready to jump on them as a short dog? I probably am, but I know better, Todd, and you know better too, right? We know what happens What do
2: they say? That that insanity is loosely defined as doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. <laughs> I feel like that's been the case when it comes to betting Georgia to win the national championship I, college football since Kirby I, took over am, down there in Athens.
0: I am so excited though. Just seeing games scheduled there mm. gets me pumped up. Uh Todd, before we get you out of here. Tell us where we could find you. You're on TV. You've got a legitimate podcast now that you're not calling in on the phone uh, with like we used to do back in the day. So where can we find you and check all your work Yeah, modern
2: technology's gotten a little bit better to record podcasts. If only we knew that back in the day, we could have microphones and all of those fancy stuff. And and Drew would be trying to merge audio files for about 16 hours a day as the four of us talk to each other. Um, You you mentioned the podcast, Bet the Board podcast, more football-centric than anything else. We will have our off-season edition, hopefully. You know, as we get into June, talking about some of the moves and where the opening numbers are before we get into the deep dives going into college and pro football. But once we get rolling in the fall three times a week, Mondays and Thursdays for the pros, Wednesdays for college football. Uh, You can see us on Fox Bet Live Monday through Friday, Fox Sports 1, 2 o'clock Pacific, 4 o'clock Central, 5 o'clock on the East Coast, Uh, breaking games down. It's a little bit more uh, surface level is the nicest way to put it for uh, the banter and everything we have going on there. And if you check out CBS HQ, uh, I'm on there periodically as well, breaking down gains, but this is kind of the calm before the storm. It's time to cultivate those power numbers that we talked about uh, when August 1st rolls around, that's when you start burning the candle at both ends in this business.
0: I'm not just saying this because I've known you a long time, but uh, the best in the business, man, truly. I, I'm uh, Your success is was predictable. You're doing a killer
2: job. We really appreciate you jumping on here, man. And hopefully we could talk. Hey, appreciate the kind words and uh, best of luck and good luck trying to fine tune some of those numbers. We know football be here before we know it. (laughs) Amen. Todd Furman. Thanks again. Appreciate Todd Furman stopping by
0: giving advice to young gamblers, to gamblers on this podcast, to anybody that will listen. I think Todd, um, I think it's a really interesting conversation, Mark, things have changed a lot for a guy like Todd. And look, it's the reason we're, we're doing this now, right, in terms of how sports betting is perceived. I remember, you know, talking to Todd early about this long ago, just the acceptance was never there. Remember when it was like shunned to talk about this Taboo. Like a bro- yeah. a broadcast yeah. and, yeah. you know, you had uncle you know brent you know making notice of the lines wink wink or al michaels right to say hey this this matters to some people (laughs) yeah and 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 pretty soon i thought you brought up an interesting point i i do think they're going to be people over the head with this because the acceptance is higher the buy-in is higher and the availability is going to be pretty much national and more states are legalizing online sports betting which is fantastic so i do think
1: as todd mentioned Maybe we'll get more live lines that'll pop up on the broadcast in NFL and college games. I think, I think that would be a great start. We mentioned UFC. I love the way that UFC handles it now. So don't be surprised if that is what happens in the NFL and college football. All right.
0: So let's go now before we wrap things up to the future, but as is the case with no, we most weeks with the future, we start by looking at the past Marcus. Did you, uh, did you engage in UFC 262? of course this uh, past weekend? I did.
1: I had a little bit of money on Tony Ferguson and that did not work out well for me. It was a good card. Like I I was a little unsure about the card going into the weekend turned out to be a great night of uh, UFC action.
0: I had Darius there. Um, I had some ups and downs. The judging was a disaster. Yeah. Oh my goodness. The judging was a disaster. Uh, I did have Michael Chandler and uh, man, I, it looked that was a great fight. Olivera is a great, great story. I think if you, if you're into UFC, You look at the stretch coming up between now and really, you know, through July. I mean, you've got McGregor Poirier. The next pay-per-view looks like it's going to be dynamite with the matchups there. Nunez coming later this summer. Yes. Even the card this week is really, really good. So if you are into UFC in this pod, obviously dabbles, we are very into it. So Marcus, a lot of different things to bet on right now. We've got play in games. We've got Mm -hmm. NBA playoffs, my Knicks, I don't quite have the flag as deep as the Jets and the Mets, but my Knicks, my Mets are, are battling despite basically having a minor league roster. What are you looking at? What are you betting at? I'm all in on NBA playoffs right now, and I'm looking at the futures bets.
1: Uh, you can do some series lines, and there's some some value there, but the bet that I keep coming back to, Adam, the 76ers are plus 300 to come out of the Eastern Conference, and I absolutely love that. Their path to get to the Eastern Conference finals is going to be incredibly easy. I don't think the Brooklyn Nets have anybody to match up with Joel Embiid. I think he could absolutely dominate that series. They're fantastic on defense. They've got shooters everywhere. Uh, I really like the 76ers to come out of the East.
0: What do you think of this play in tournament? We haven't really talked about it. I- I'd love to get your thoughts because you are an NBA guy. At first, it was kind of, uh, first, I had to wrap my head around what the concept was, mm-hmm. right, to understand it. I think it's pretty cool. I mean, it I think cool. it's a, it's a neat way to engage a playoff format that in the early parts of the rounds need some juice. Not only has it been really interesting for the play in games
1: themselves, but the last week of the NBA has been phenomenal with teams trying to avoid the play in game. Uh, The Lakers treated the last two games of the regular season like playoff games because they wanted to avoid that play in game as much as possible. So I do think it's added some intrigue over the last 20 years, the last three weeks of the regular season have felt pretty pointless now there's some, there's some reason to watch. And uh, I've, I've been really impressed with the playing game so far.
0: All right. PGA championship could not be more excited about it. Uh, this is a, a course that has some teeth. I think we talked about it last week, but I think the back nine is close to 4,000 yards. The course itself, what over 7,800 yards. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It could be yeah. a spectacle. Ball striking is going to be huge. So Marcus, I'll give you a couple of my plays. You know, they're win bets already, right? I know you're going to tell oh, yeah. me, oh, yeah. top 10, you know, I'm going for the score. Xander Shoffley, 16 to one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy has been close. So I have to hope for a breakthrough, but a, a guy that has both length and ball striking. And I like Markawa as well, uh, a little bit down the list at 28 to one, not as long as some of these guys, but the ball striking is great. I just think that, the visuals of this course are going to be spectacular on the ocean. You've got kind of the rough and rugged uh, elements, and you see in terms of sand and fescue. Everything I've looked at, other than Jordan Spieth's golf shirt, I don't know if you saw that giant yeah, X. Yeah. I mean, other than that, that's the only thing. Everything else looks like it's going to be an amazing weekend of golf. And I'm going to keep steering our listeners to the top 20
1: finishes because it's not as stressful. You get to just enjoy the weekend. Dustin Johnson plus 110 to finish inside the top 20. We've mentioned how it's a really long course. Dustin Johnson is a fantastic driver. Uh, I like that. I also like Patrick Reed at plus 138 to finish inside the top 20. I think that's a pretty good bet. And then my guy, Tommy Fleetwood, plus 275 to finish inside the top 20. Uh, I, just one of my favorite golfers. I think, he, I think he's got a good chance to do that as well.
0: One other thing I wanted to bring up on the futures, uh, Marcus, is, is something I'm looking at right now, which is real life, college football yes one betting lines i want to i don't want to jump the gun here because i want to i want to you know todd brought it up with 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 georgia and clemson and georgia being a slight dog despite the fact that they may enter as the number one team in the country have you seen any of these you've got georgia you know getting four against clemson that seems like a georgia play for me despite the tribulations of georgia football you've got alabama lang um, 17, 17 and a, and a half. half against yeah. Miami and a rebuilt De'Ara King at quarterback. You've got LSU minus four and a half against UCLA, which is, you got all sorts of lines here. Uh, Notre Dame minus nine and a half against the Florida State team that I think is going to be a lot, lot better. Has anything jumped out in the college football world? Yeah, North Carolina, uh, they're six and a half points
1: favorites over Virginia Tech. I like Sam Howell quite a bit, the quarterback at North, or at North Carolina who has a chance to be the number one pick. I think that's a really interesting line and then you mentioned that Alabama Miami line. I want to know how healthy dear King is, because if he is healthy, I think he could potentially keep that within two scores, but I, I I'm going to wait a little bit to see what the uh, the reports are here. When we get a little closer to the fall,
0: I could tell you the, the I've talked to people at Alabama, they lose a lot, but look, I've known Bryce young for a while. Uh, I've, t- I know his dad, I did a story on him. That dude is going to be a star. Uh, they've got some really, really, really good wide receivers, maybe not the same caliber they've had. They've got some great running backs coming back. Uh, the old line still has some bodies and then the defense, which was young, um, you know, you lose certain, you lose some, 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 you know, people up front,
1: but,
0: but still, I think that Alabama team, that's probably as good a value as you're going to find Uh, with an Alabama team. I lean Alabama despite all the fresh faces there. uh, Yet I love De'Ara King, man. That guy can and probably will torture the Alabama defense if he's healthy.
1: Last one, Notre Dame is a nine and a half point favorite over Florida State. And I'm not sure how that line isn't like 13, 14, because Florida State has been a train wreck over the last two or three years. That offensive line is still atrocious. I'm not sure. I I, I think
0: you can get some good value on that one right now if you want. I think I'm curious what, what Norvell does, because I like him as a coach. Last year you had COVID, he had COVID. I mean, it was like a, it was a disastrous start. Uh, You had issues with, you know, players to begin. So Mm -hmm. I know talking to people, they've been active in kind of the transfer Juco route, which would be very interesting. Mark, I know the fact that we are talking about college football last year for me, it was, will we have a season? Will we have a season? And now it's getting that schedule for that opening week which is suddenly not the, so far away i mean dude the juices are flowing here yeah. uh, it is unbelievable so it, it,
1: can i interest you in any uh, heisman trophy winner future odds because those are out now and those are fascinating uh, do you have any any feels on where you're where you might be betting i,
0: I do think you know the quarterbacks are i, I like jt daniels to be honest yeah, i mean i, I talked about that As the season ended for Georgia, I think you got to pick your team, whether it's DJ at Clemson or JT Daniels or Bryce Young. Uh, Obviously, look, we think Spencer Rattler is going to be the number one pick in the country. Mm -hmm. Uh, So so it's going to be quarterback driven. I wish that wasn't the case. I I thought, you know, you hope that, hey, Devonta Smith winning is going to open it up. Can a guy like Kayvon uh, uh, Thibodeau for Oregon get in there? I don't know. But pick a quarterback, any quarterback, right? Are Are you signing with anybody right now?
1: I think the quarterbacks are obviously the smart bet, but Brees Hall is really interesting awesome. at forty to one. Uh, there's actually a couple of running backs that I really like. Tank, Tank Bigsby uh, from Auburn's a good bet. Uh, does does Bo Nix do anything for you? Probably not. No, <laughs> no, no.
0: And and, and I'd say Bijan Robinson at Texas too. If Sarks offense. Yep. Sarks offense should be really, really good. So can I give you one more? One yes. more. One of my favorite
1: players, I think – I'm already predicting it's going to be my favorite player in college football this year, Emory Jones. I'm really excited yeah. to see uh, what he can do. I don't think he's going to win the Heisman, but at 40-1, to one, if you want to just throw a couple dollars on it just for somebody to root for throughout the season, I think that's
0: a fun bet. Heisman, futures, we You're back, totals. buddy. Oh, we are – dude, I, I'm telling you, the college – I'm getting in the zone here. We'll have all sorts of college picks. We'll have NFL picks again. It's the offseason. It allows us to lean into this content even more so than just picking games all the time. Marcus, before we head out, any parting shots when it comes to the NFL offseason, UFC things, other sports things happening here over the next week? Just a, a fantastic time to be a sports fan, right? We've got basketball
1: playoffs, hockey playoffs. I watched some good hockey games last night. Uh, we've got baseball season in full swing, UFC, golf. It's a, it's a great time to be a sports
0: fan it is it is going to be a really fun couple of weeks the wet uh the weather is getting great marks mm-hmm. i am i am going to stay in that that playset on friday okay so i've got a uh my wife is in a how many beers uh mood and she's wondering what's that cooler mm. going to look like it's supposed to be 88 degrees by the way so you that's have a six to or eight job i think that, that, i i agree you just taping the darn thing is a is a multi-beer yep. job so yep. i will report back with my findings okay reminder guys Check out the podcast, uh, Spotify, Apple, subscribe, share. We are just getting started here. Go to thegameday.com, do some shopping, see what our affiliates have to offer. As Mark has mentioned, there are a lot of sports going on right now. We thank Todd Furman for stopping by, talking all things sports betting. We hope to talk to him soon. We'll talk to you guys next week.